John Croston is a teacher, I was a teacher, and uh, one year in 2004, he was on holiday in Phuket in Thailand. And he was there on the 26th of December. Now maybe those dates ring a bell in your mind. Because while he was on the beach and in the sea, suddenly the sea disappeared. And he said, I was about to take a photograph of a boat when the sea instantly retracted to beyond the outer rim of the bay. The tide left the beach at such a speed that fish and crabs were left behind. I'm a keen mountain climber, he said, and I've studied some geology, and in an instant I was overtaken with the overwhelming certainty we were about to experience a tsunami. I consider myself relatively reserved, he said, not prone to overreaction, but on that beach I left all my inhibitions behind, and people were just looking at me as their young children were running towards the stranded fish. Can you imagine that situation? He knew what was going to happen. He knew the tsunami was going to come. And so this reserved person had this news he had to get out. Run. You've got to run. Just at that moment, he said that a bus from his hotel turned up. And so he was able to tell them to not get on the beach, to go. And he managed to save some lives there. But you see, loads of people were looking at him going, what are you talking about? What are you crazy? You know, let's, let's just enjoy the beach. When it comes to the message of Jesus, we have got a message that is great and wonderful, but it is also serious. We've got the message of hope for eternity. Here is the way, if you trust in this, you can know a forever with God in heaven. But if you don't, there's an eternity in hell, which is what we deserve. The message is great news, and it transforms our life here and now, but there are huge eternal consequences. And it's hard, isn't it? Because we have this news, and we want to share it with people. And if you're a Christian here this morning, you know what it is to go to someone and say, can I tell you about this message? Or let me tell you something about what I believe. And the response we can so often get is, maybe some of the people laugh. Maybe some are just apathetic. Maybe some people get angry. And we just want to share the message, and yet the responses we get, well, they can get us down, can't they? And it is hard to keep going hard to keep sharing. If you've been a Christian uh, for more than, say, five or six or ten years, you will know that there are people you're praying for to come and trust in Jesus, and you want to tell them, and they hear the message, and yet their hearts just seem so hard, and they just don't want to know, and it is hard to keep going. As a church, uh, there is a community that we've been reaching out to for, well, 50 years as a church now, and we're praying, and we're praying, and it is hard to keep going because people just seem to not care. So how can we keep going? You see, as a Christian, often we can have this tension, can't we? We know it's a great message, and we know it's an important message, and we know people really want to need to believe it. But the more people reject, the more despondent we get, the more cynical we can get, and the more we can end up just being quiet. But as followers of Jesus, we're called to do something, to go to all the world. We're to go and share the message, to go and make disciples, Jesus says. That's what we're called to do. So how do we keep doing that when it seems like so many just don't seem to care? Well, the parable that Jesus told in this passage really does help us and I pray will encourage us this morning. How can we keep sharing? Well, there's three headings and the first heading we need to look at is this. We need to understand the power of weakness. The power of weakness. 
So Jesus, in Luke's Gospel and in the other Gospels, remember, he is he's quite popular uh, at the start of his ministry because he's doing all these miracles, he's, doing, he, he's feeding crowds, he is um, giving these amazing messages that people uh, love to come and hear and listen to. And, and so they were there thinking, well, he must be the Messiah. He must be the one we're expecting. But the Messiah, the rescuer they were wanting, was they were expecting somebody to come in power to destroy the Romans, to come and set them free from Roman, um, Roman taking over their land. So they wanted somebody who was impressive, somebody who would um, kind of bring this instant transformation, and with this kind of captain of the army, he would conquer. So how does Jesus tell this crowd who are listening how the kingdom of God's going to grow? How is it going to um, going to progress? What does Jesus say? Does he say an, an angelic army is coming and it's going to sweep away the Roman enemy? Or does he say fire and brimstone is going to come from heaven and destroy the Romans? Or does he say, no, um, let's get some weapons out and let's take these Romans by force. You know, get the tanks. I'm the leader of this revolution. Let's go. Well, no, that is the way people were thinking about God's kingdom coming. But look the picture Jesus uses. He goes and tells them a parable. And in this parable, a man goes out to sow seed. How is the kingdom of God going to grow? Through a seed. You can't get much, more, get much smaller, much less impressive than a seed, can you? You know, if you were to go and um, buy flowers for the person you love, and there they are, and you give them a packet of seeds that have got you some flowers, what would they think? Well, it just doesn't look as impressive, does it? It's not as impressive. A seed is small, it's weak, it's unimpressive, and the growth, well, it's, you can't see it. And if you've ever planted anything with children, uh, or seeds with children, uh, you can see that maybe one day you can plant and say, this is going to grow into a flower, or into vegetables, or whatever. And what will happen after they plant the seed? Maybe in an hour, they'll come back, and what will they do? They'll look. Where is it? Maybe the next day they'll come and look, oh, where is it? You don't notice, you can't see it because nothing seems to be happening. It is painstakingly slow and gradual and weak. So what do we see? Look at verse 11. The seed that is sown out, Jesus says, the seed is the word of God. How is the kingdom of God going to grow? Through a seed, which is the word of God. Through a message. Not through force. Not through uh, power. Not through something which is... Um, look seemingly massive and impressive, but through a message. That's why verse 8, he says, if you've got ears to hear, you've got to listen. Listen up. This wasn't what they were expecting. They were expecting military, flashy, impressive power. And Jesus says, no, the kingdom of God's going to grow through a seed, through a message, through the word. So the kingdom of God, we can see before we move on, is like a seed. It's going to be small, unimpressive, and weak. And that's why I wanted us to read the first few verses before um, the parable started in verses 1 to 3 of chapter 8 of Luke. Because not only is the, uh, the kingdom and the, the word, the, the, the message, not only does that look unimpressive, look at who he uses here. Look at who is there. Does he have all the impressive um, um, uh, influential people there, the powerful people of the day? Well, no, look who he's got. He's got the 12. We know that they're, well, they're not the best. You know, they, they're a bit slow in learning who Jesus is. They keep on making mistakes. 
They're not the elite. He's got the 12. But not only that, he's got these women. Remember, women at that time and that day and age were looked down on. Uh, they were outcasts of society. But not only were these women just women, they were women who were particular outcasts because we're told that they had been healed from evil spirits. Mary Magdalene, seven demons had come out from them. So here they were, they were the outcasts of the outcasts. These were not an impressive group of people. So the kingdom of God, how is it going to grow through these people who look weak, who look um, vulnerable, who look needy? Here they are. And that's how God's kingdom is going to grow. It's not what we expect, is it? G. Campbell Morgan, who's a, a preacher from a few centuries ago, said, used, saw, saw something that helped him illustrate this. Because what he saw was a huge tombstone that had been split in two and had been split in through by an oak tree. And he just made him think, well, how could this big, heavy marble tombstone be broken in two by a tree? Because what would have happened? Well, you can imagine it, can't you? A bird might have flown over and dropped an acorn. And that acorn might have somehow got its way underneath this giant slab. Who's going to win between an acorn and a marble slab? Well, at first sight, it looks like the acorn hasn't got a chance. But bit by bit, over the years, as time goes by, it grows bigger and bigger and bigger, and then crack. It breaks through. That is something of the power of the weakness of the Word of God and the Kingdom of God. I've told you before about when communism came into Russia, um, they wanted to destroy anything religious, any religions at all, they wanted to get rid of them. And um, so they got rid of the Bibles, they got rid of synagogues, they got rid of churches, they got rid of Bible colleges, anything like that, they just destroyed. It was illegal to worship God and the leaders of that time thought they could just eradicate God. But there was one group of people they ignored, and that was the babushkas, the grandmothers in Russia. And so when the Berlin Wall came down, people were amazed to find that people still believed in God. They still trusted and worshipped him. Now, how did they still trust? How were these, this younger generation? Where did they hear about God? Where did they hear about the gospel? Well, these babushkas had been praying. They had been singing. They had been sharing their faith with the, other gen the next generation, with the children and the babies. And the gospel still lived on. See, it's not in impressive ways. It's in weakness. God uses the weak, the unimpressive, and the small to accomplish his purposes. Now, when you think of this, think of how Jesus accomplished the great rescue plan. What happened? Well, our message is the cross. Yes, the Son of God came, but he was rejected. He was beaten. He was a nobody. He was an outcast. And he died, and he died in weakness, in foolishness, naked, hanging on a cross. That's our hope doesn't sound very impressive, does it? But that's how God works. And when you look at church history, think of how it grew from these followers of Jesus that we have mentioned here, these 12 and the other women who were there with them. What happened? Well, this small group told somebody. They told somebody else. They told somebody else. They told somebody else. And just as a seed, it started and it took over the Roman Empire, turned the world upside down. How? From small, weak, beginnings. Think of how you trusted in Jesus if you're trusting him in this morning. You heard it from who? Maybe a parent, maybe a friend, 
uh, maybe a colleague and how did they hear from a parent or a friend or a colleague or a neighbor and how did they hear do you see just bit by bit by bit the gospel moves forward as power in weakness and we need to grasp this don't we we might feel weak we might feel small this morning but we come to a god whose power is in weakness that's why as a church we want to pray together because that is us acknowledging god we need you we can't do this alone it is all on you and we need to remember as a church that god's word is powerful it might seem like that acorn against this huge tombstone but we keep on sharing god's word it seems weak and unimpressive but that's how god works he doesn't come in powerful flashy ways he doesn't come through the power maybe um it's interesting to see isn't it he doesn't come through kind of changing politics but through god's word and that's why we want to be sharing and preaching with those around us maybe you feel small and weak maybe you feel not able to do much maybe you think of those you want to tell about jesus and you just feel so scared well you've just qualified yourself for mighty things because it's in our weakness that god is strong maybe you're here and you're not a christian this morning what do you expect from jesus what do you expect from christianity flashy impressive things well sorry you're going to be disappointed we hold out the word of god which is not very impressive but it has power that can transform your life jesus says it is through my word through the seed and that's how it starts by listening to a message how do you become a christian it's not through Im impressing god not through trying your best to be religious and better yourself and then maybe if you've done enough god will accept you know it's through saying god i can't do this i give up i give up and it's over to you that's how you trust so the first thing we need to see from this parable is the power of weakness the seed is the word of god the kingdom of god grows like that the second thing is we need to see the power in the unexpected now i wonder what reason you think jesus told parables because sometimes we can have this idea well he told stories so that people could understand to make things that weren't very clear clear but in fact as we look at this passage the total opposite is the case and it's very unexpected so um, as jesus was speaking here there was a big crowd who were there listening and they were there because well they'd seen and heard of this miracle maker jesus they wanted to see if he'd do a trick for them wanted to see if they'd do something for him for them but then jesus spoke and he tells this story and really it leaves people puzzled look at verse 12 what it tells us he says um sorry verse oh i've lost where we are now yeah verse 10 sorry uh, he said he quotes isaiah here to you has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of god but for others they're in parables so that seeing they may not see and hearing they may not understand now what's jesus getting at there well jesus knows that most people are there to see a display of his power they want to see what they can get out of jesus they want to see a trick they want to see him give them some free food they want to see him do something impressive like that and so jesus says well, i tell these parables and they're like a filter uh, to filter out people who are coming just to see something just to get something and it filters out those and it gets people who want to believe and want to know more so instead of people asking what can we get out of him what can he bring us he tells this parable if they'd have come they'd have gone well 
what was that all about? And then they walk away disappointed. But if they had ears to hear, if they wanted to know more, as they approached, they would hear and understand what Jesus had been getting at. So they would ask, well, what does he mean? What does that parable mean? And as they drew closer, then it would make sense. If you've got ears to hear, then hear. Listen, Jesus says, to what I have to say. So Jesus is not saying to the whole crowd, you're not allowed to hear this message. Otherwise, he just wouldn't have spoken at all. He's given everybody there the opportunity to come and listen in. But his way of speaking says, look, I want to make sure you really want to know. I want to make sure you really are seeking. Because Jesus had these huge crowds during his ministry. But when you look at the end of his life, who was there? Well, not many. Twelve and a few more, a few extra kind of hiding away in a room. It's hardly successful in the world's eyes, is it? But this is what Jesus and how he worked. Jesus saying the only way to really understand this parable is from the inside. You have to come inside and understand it. Yes, some people might understand the story, but there's more to it. You know, on one level, just a man who sows seeds on different soils. But on another level, we have to wrestle with the truth to understand it. It's a bit like an automatic door. If you look at an automatic door, you might think, oh, it's closed. But the nearer you go, what happens? Pops open. Jesus says, look, if you've got ears to hear, come. And as you step closer and ask those questions, Jesus opens up and explains what it's all about. So what does that mean for us? Well, in one sense, you think of who Jesus is. He's the ultimate parable, isn't he? You look at him and you think, no, thank you. You know, here he is speaking things that aren't very popular. Here he is dying on a cross in a way that's not very impressive. But as you explore further, you start to see how glorious and wonderful and amazing he is. A bit like the Doctor Who's TARDIS. From the outside, it looks like nothing. But when you step inside, wow, it's huge. And the same with Jesus. Step inside, trust him, follow him, and you see just what he's about. And again, if you're, uh, just for us as a church, we need to think, well, what does that mean for us? Well, it means we don't have to change the message that we've got to try and make it impressive so that people outside would go, oh, right, okay. No, we don't change it. The message isn't impressive, and we can't make it impressive. We need to stick to the message of Jesus so that the people who have ears to hear will hear, and pray that God is working in people's hearts, as we'll come on to see in a bit. Maybe this morning you're not sure where you are with Jesus. Do you really want to hear? Do you really want to know the glorious truth that he has to offer? Or are you already thinking of something else? Oh, I can't be bothered with this. Today God is speaking. He doesn't have to speak to you. He doesn't have to get your attention, but he is through his word. And he's saying, I want to give you hope. I want to give you everlasting life. Come to me, trust in me. And if you're listening, he says, come on. If you have ears to hear, then listen, hear. See, this is the unexpected way that Jesus does things. So we've seen the power of weakness. We've seen the power in the unexpected. And the last thing we need to grasp, and we're going to look at the uh, parable in detail now, is this. When we share the gospel, how do we keep on sowing? There will always be different responses. There will always be different responses. So remember the parable. The sower is sowing seeds. And as he sows the seeds they fall onto four different surfaces. You've got the path, you've got the rocky ground, you've got the weeds and the good soil. And before we look at those, just notice a few things. Um, Jesus doesn't say, one man went to sow on the path. Another man went to sow on the rocky ground. The man who sowed on the path 
uh, saw no crop. The man who sowed on the rocky ground saw a little. The man who sowed, he doesn't say it like that, does he? If that was the case, what would be, what would be the parable would be telling us? If you get the right technique, then you will get the right response. If you just get the right technique, then, because this man got it wrong, but this man, he got it right. Well, no, it's the same person doing the same thing, but there's four different responses. So it's not about technique. Jesus tells us whenever the message of the gospel is shared, you will get these responses. You cannot beat this parable. As the message of the gospel goes out, people will respond in different ways. So what are the different responses? And let me just warn you that you are in this passage. There's a story told of a man on the West End, an actor in the middle of the show, and he was sitting on a table with a woman opposite him, and the phone rang. And so he answers the phone, and as he answered it, he realized he was in the play, but he'd forgotten his lines. And so what did he do? He said, it's for you, to the lady across the way from him, the other actress. Now, in the same way, God will say to us today, look, this is for you. There's some God is speaking, and you are in this passage. So listen out, which soil are you? The first one, look at verse 12, is the seed goes out and lands on the path. And it's trampled underfoot, the birds eat it, there is no growth whatsoever. And what does Jesus explain that to be, verse 12? He says, the ones along the path are those who've heard, then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe in their hearts. So what is it saying? It's telling us there's an enemy. It's telling us there's an enemy of your soul who really does not want you to hear about Jesus. He wants you to leave here every week totally unchanged. And perhaps even now you're thinking, just don't listen. Just switch off. Just try and think about something else. Try and start planning for this or try and do this. Or just don't listen. It's irrelevant. You don't need this. Every time we hear the message and every time we hear from the bible there is a war going on in your heart do you realize that a battle there's an enemy who wants to take away anything that god said so something might land in your mind as well and you think all oh, right and then straight away you try and think of something else you push it away your enemy wants you to take uh, wants to take that away from you i wonder how you come to church just coming here for a nice time coming here for some songs or just to see people well, actually, that's not what's going on here. There is a battle. We're engaged, each one of us, in a spirit of a battle where we're sitting. It might not seem like it. It might not feel like it. I mean, look around, everybody seems pretty sedate, you know. Um, but, you know, there's a reality going on here of, an, of spiritual warfare. Will we have hearts that are hard or ready to listen? Are we coming here prepared every week? God, would you give my, make my heart soft? There's a more subtle way that that can happen as well, isn't there? Maybe we can listen and we can think, I hope so-and-so is listening to this. And we're kind of bypassing our heart and hoping that somebody else is listening. But actually, God wants to speak to you. He wants to deal with you. You can't help how somebody else responds to God's word. But in your heart, you can pray that God will help you to respond in the right way. Now, maybe you can look back at your life and you can see and you think of a time where something that's been said or something you've heard has really resonated with you. And as soon as you, he you hear it, it leaves your mind and you forget all about it. See, who's behind that? That's a supernatural attack. That is the enemy robbing that seed away. This morning, lovingly, if you can see that's you, see that you're the path, your heart is hard, God is warning you. And he's saying, come on, pray that your heart will be softened. 
That's the first soil. The second one we see is the rock, the rock. And, um, and so what happens? Well, in verse 6, some fell on this rock, and as it grew up, it withered away because it had no moisture. Now, this would have been very common on these Palestinian hills. On the surface, this soil would have looked like any other soil. It looked very uh, normal. But just below the surface was a layer of rock. And it meant there was no moisture in that soil for the seed. So there might have been a little bit of growth, but there was nothing, not enough, for the roots to deepen and really had nowhere to grow. So its, it's growth was going to be stunted. And what does Jesus say that is for us? Well, some hear the word, some hear about Jesus, and they're excited. They think, this is great. They, they hear the positive and think, this is it. You know, I, I, I can follow this. I can trust in this. And there's enthusiasm, uh, and there's perhaps an, perhaps an emotional reaction. But then, tough things happen in life. The reality of life kicks in. And then, uh, because there was no root, they say, well, forget it. God, it can't be true if this has happened to me. I'm not following him anymore. And so they wither away. I wonder if you're like that. Excited by certain parts of the Bible. Okay, I, can, I can go with that, but then you don't want to go too deep. You don't want to get too involved. Just keep everything at arm's length. You know, the bits about joy and love. Oh, yeah, yeah, I'll take that. But when it says about denying yourself and following Jesus, I say, oh, no, thank you. Maybe you're happy if life is fine and you can follow Jesus then, but when things get hard and trials come, God's the first to go. He's way down on the priority list. God, in his goodness this morning, is saying, watch out. Pray that your heart would be good soil. The third soil that it lands on is, uh, is verse 14. Remember, this is the same seed landing on each soil. Uh, in, we see uh, it explained in verse, um, verse, ten, no, sorry, verse uh, 7, some fell among the thorns, and the thorns grew up, and it choked. So the next one we see, it falls on this, um, on this soil, but with it are these weeds. And these weeds in Palestine would grow kind of six foot high. Uh, these weeds would suck any goodness out of the soil for the plants. They would cover the plants, of the uh, they, there'd be no sunlight for the other plants. So there's no fruit, and the plants just go to waste. You know, there's no, nothing there at all. I wonder, is that you? You've heard the word of God, and you've responded, but as you look at your life, there's way more important things than Jesus. Uh, and he doesn't shape you. He is just somebody who is on the side, somebody who's kind of periphery. You don't really want to know him better. And if you look back honestly on the last year or two, there's no change in your life. You haven't been saying yes to Jesus, no to self. You've just been saying yes to self, and Jesus is just there on the side sometimes. If you're honest, you look at your spiritual life and you're just stagnant. There's no growth. Other things have come in, and spiritually, they're strangling you. Now, if you've been a Christian any length of time, you'll know that this is a real danger that there are some who will, looks like there's real growth, real um, encouragement, and yet they can just get strangled by the distractions of the word. Listen to how Hebrews 3 warns us, take care lest there be in any of you an evil unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. It's a serious thing. Today, will you see the danger that you're in? If, if this is you, the weeds are strangling, the distractions of the world are there, and 
you are losing your joy in Christ because you think there's joy elsewhere, but you're, you've got no joy there either. See, if today you see the danger, if you acknowledge the joylessness, and if you see that you need to come back to Christ, can't you see that God in his love and in his kindness this morning is, is showing you? And as you turn to him, as the parable of the uh, lost son shows us, we see that he's already running to us. His arms are wide open. He says, come back. Don't let these distractions take over. Come to me and let me show you a true, full, fruitful life. Before we look at the last one, can you see Jesus saying, look, this is how people will always respond to the word. Over the last 2,000 years of church history, this has always been the case. There will be some who just don't care. There'll be some who likes bits of it, but really don't need to go any further. There'll be some who show signs of growth, but then there's distractions come in and they are nowhere. We are not to be surprised when this happens. He's told us here, you will never beat this parable. But the last soil is an encouraging one, isn't it? Verse 15, we see it explained. So um, in verse 8, it says, some fell into good soil, it grew and it yielded a hundredfold. And verse 15 explains that. The good soil, they are those who, hearing the word, hold it fast in an honest and good heart and bear fruit with patience. So there is seed that lands on the good soil. Uh, they hear the word, they treasure it, it's watered, they think about it, and the plant grows, they bring forth fruit. What kind of fruit is that? I think there's a few different types. One might be the fruit of the Spirit, which is love, joy, peace, uh, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness gentleness, self-control. Those are things that their life is full of, um, as we see those things in Galatians. You see somebody who's just growing in love, growing in joy, growing in patience, growing in kindness, growing in goodness and faithfulness, growing in gentleness, growing in self-control. This is fruitful life. There's fruit as well, not only of, in their hearts, but a fruit in sharing the gospel. They tell other people and other people respond. And they hear the wonderful news of Jesus. So are you bearing fruit in your life? Could you describe your life as one that is fruitful? Now often, as we mentioned last week, it's, it's hard to see this on your own. Because often we, the growth that we are part of is not very obvious to us. Just like I said last week, if you ask a child, do you feel like you're growing? Of course they don't. But we can see it. If you haven't seen them for a while, you see, wow, they've grown. In the same way, spiritually, we struggle to see the fruit on our own, which is why we need each other, why we need to encourage each other. It's very easy for us just to think on the negatives. And most of us probably naturally lean towards thinking negatively about how we're growing. And so we need to encourage each other all the more and point out areas we might see. Look, this is, thank you so much for serving in that way. Thank you so much for, for how you're growing there. Let me just encourage you with this. Let me just, and point that out. I know it's hard, isn't it, to be gushing in, in the in uh, Wales, we're not really like that, but it's so important. Think how much encouragement you would have uh, from that, and let's offer that to other people. Uh, and so we need to be aware of that. Are we growing? If you're on, if this is good soil, uh, we need to uh, be aware there will be fruit. There will be a, a way of seeing the life of following Jesus and how different we are to those around. But as well as a church, as we think of how we can keep sowing, think of this. If we sow, there will always be good soil. We've just got to keep sowing. Yes, there will be paths that it lands on. 
Yes, there will be rocky paths, there are rocky areas that are land on. Yes, there might be some with weeds, but there will be good soil. How do we sow? Do we sow by thinking, oh, I think that's a good ground, I'll sow a bit of seed there. Oh, that, that looks like a bit of good ground, I'll sow a bit of seed there. How does the sower sow here? Just sows, just get it out. We don't know whose hearts are going to respond in the way that God uh, has, has made possible. We don't know how God's going to work in people's hearts. So let's just sow the seed as far and wide as we can. That's what we want to do. Just get it out there. The power of the gospel is in our hearts. And so we pray that there would be fruit. We pray that more and more we would see more of Jesus. So don't do it sparingly. Don't think we know which are the good hearts and say, I'll put some there. No, we're just so far and wide. Just throw it everywhere. Let's get the gospel out and let's keep going because Jesus has said you will always get these responses. So Jesus has shown us today, just to summarize again, the power of weakness. It is not impressive. It is weak, but it is very powerful. There is unexpected here. You as ears to hear, let him hear. And there will always be different responses to Jesus. So today, which soil are you? You're in the parable. I pray that we would see God's kindness in showing us if we're a hard heart, if the weeds are choking. And let's pray that God would make even the word that's sown today land on our hearts, which would be good soil, and there would be fruit this year in our lives, spiritually, in the lives of those around us, and as we pray that people would come in here and whose lives would be changed by Jesus. So let's uh, pray before we sing our last song together. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for your wisdom. We thank you that uh, we have this parable to encourage us to keep on sowing with the word of God. And please, Lord, we pray, would the seed that we sow, would it land on good soil this year? We pray you'd help us as a church to sow far and wide and to see, Lord, you do amazing things in people's hearts and lives. And Lord, if there's anyone here, Lord, who is aware that their heart, heart has been hardened over the years, or they maybe are aware that they've been distracted and their spiritual life has been strangled by the weeds and distractions of the life around us. Well, today, would it be a time of repentance, of turning back to you and saying, Lord, I want to grow. Lord, I want to see fruit. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's sing that. Um